The Totally Super Podcast is coming to Geeks Radio. Justin and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. Search for Totally Super Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Totally Super Podcast 2017. Warning, the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. Welcome to Pop Off. My name is Justin. And with me today, as before, is uh, my good friend Arthur Rowan. Hi, Arthur. Hello, Justin. Um, uh, we are here uh, rounding off the uh, pop, rounding out the pop off series uh, with uh, the completion of our discussion of Buffy and Angel. Uh, we had started last time uh, talking about the inception of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer spinoff Angel. Uh, two warnings to the wise. One, uh, you should really listen to that one before you listen to this one, uh, yep. because this won't make so much sense if you don't listen to that one. Also, spoilers for Angel and yeah. for Buffy. So Although, just, to be fair, the statues of limitations on both of those is, like, way over, so. I know, but, you know, just so people know. Mm-hmm. No, but, no, no, no. Yeah. It's it's common courtesy. The show that ended, the show this, that we're going to definitely spoil episodes that came out 17 years ago. 17 yeah. years ago. <laughs> That's weird. So this. Uh, oh, God, in, we're so old. In the week in between uh, our recording this, the 20th anniversary of the first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer came and went, mm-hmm. um, which is weird. To think of that. That just doesn't make sense. The, you know, these people stay young in our minds, and we got to watch them age somewhat. But the idea that Buffy Summers herself would be 35 now is yeah. it's concerning to me. Well, That's so, upsetting you know what, and concerning. You know what makes me feel really old? Because um, here's the thing. So six years ago, uh, I was talking to some folks who were younger than me, and they were telling me, oh, my gosh, do you know Joss Whedon? Uh uh, you like, have you seen anything by Joss Whedon? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. I love Joss Whedon. And they said, I know, Firefly is so good. I was like, yeah. I also, I'm, I'm heavy into Buffy and Angel, too. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess he did do those. I never actually watched those. What? Yeah, okay, so that's the first one. Now, it's 2017. There are people who only know Joss Whedon from Avengers. Oh, man. Right? Joss, you got to do some shit, man. I'm, I, I like, I don't mean to judge. Like you did a lot and you owe me nothing, but come on, man, come on, Joss you. <laughs> like like Joss, who is who is an avid listener to the show, as you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, is listening right now, going, I don't know if I should do more, but Justin said, so I guess jo- we will. Joss Whedon is not your bitch, Justin. Yes, he's not. Um, uh, we had said that uh, the the really the first phase of Angel is it finding itself uh, by the end of season one. Certainly, it did write its thesis at the end of season one by being Angel Investigations, the scrappy upstarts versus the established evil law firm Wolfram and Hart, and that was kind of going to be the the what the show was going to really be about. Uh, which brings mm-hmm. us into uh, Angel. Season two, episode one. Uh, After a case of mistaken identity leads Angel to slay the demon protector of an innocent girl, karaoke is the only way to make things right. Meanwhile, Angel struggles with the discovery that he may not always be eternal and Darla recovers from her resurrection. Um, So many things here. One, karaoke. Yay. Yay. Um, Is is this the episode where where Angel sings? Is this the Um, episode where... where, I know what happens in season two. 
I know what happens in season two, but uh, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, and let's be honest, uh, Angel singing Mandy in karaoke is hysterical. Possibly the only possible funnier thing was in season one where he was at a party and someone invited him to dance. And he considers dancing, yes. And he cons- and, and you see like the the flash forward of what would happen if he danced and then the sudden cut away to him saying, no, no I, don't, I don't do that. You know, on a show that it's very easy to look at Angel as a show that takes itself seriously and isn't trying to be as funny as, as Buffy. Um, this is wonderful. And the character of the host, as we will le- later call him Lorne, is spectacularly fabulous. Oh, and he brings he brings such light to the show, which yeah, uh, which can some. My argument uh, for me, the show is at its best when it doesn't take itself quite too seriously. Um, like where it acknowledges, no, we're trying to deal with serious subject matter, but much like Buffy, it's always the hey, this is a show about vampires and demons. Yes, and 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 we had talked about how how Angel delves into the gray between what is right and wrong, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lorne is, is a demon who is unequivocally good. Yeah. He very is much a demon. So. He is a good demon, um, which makes it problematic how easily they kill demons on Buffy and Angel. If you think yeah. About it. <laughs> it, well, I mean, and that's part of the, uh, and this first episode is the first thing that really brings that up is that it's like, look, this is not the black and white world of Sunnydale. This is, there are gray areas as well as uh, prejudices that applied before do not anymore. Yeah. And that's, and and I think that given that the show is trying to be more quote unquote real world, I think that's, that's exactly the right impulse. Mm-hmm. Um also, and for the record, I should probably point out as we get into season two, Justin and I have talked about this before. Justin does not like season two that much. For me, it is possibly my favorite season. I never so. said I didn't like So, okay, let's be clear. I don't dislike season two. I like season two just fine. But, like, it's like if every episode of every season of Buffy is my favorite thing in the world, I have to choose my favorite favorites. Okay. And this is not one of my favorite favorites. Um, it's better than season one. It is not, in my opinion, as good as season five. Um, but let's uh, let's also I like Connor when we get there and a lot of people don't. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't go with what I say. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's also talk about the resurrected Darla. Darla is back. Um, yeah, which is she disappeared at the end. Of, or I mean, she was killed at the end of season one. Buffy. Yeah. Um, so that was a that was a bold storytelling decision to get Julie Benz on the horn, hire her again, and bring her back in. Um, um, the arc that she goes through over the course of this show is wonderful, if not maybe a little too prolonged. A little, like they, yeah. That would be my one thing about it. I absolutely adore the arc. Um, it has some some real character development as well as some twists that hit me upside the head with the force of a sledgehammer. Um, but yes, it could possibly be a little bit prolonged, which, to be honest, is, uh, I mean, a lot of Angel could have been, a lot of the arcs in Angel could have been told in maybe 75% of the time. But that's what you I get agree. when you have a TV, when you have a TV serial, you gotta, I mean, Especially hey, in the it's 2000s. not, it's not Lost. So. Hey, I liked much of Lost. As did I, well, we loved it together. I still haven't finished it, by the way, but. You haven't finished Lost? No. Hold on. You haven't finished Lost? I have. I've gotten like season four. Like the, the time travel starts getting real confusing at a certain point. You're never going to go back to it now. 
Like, do you really think that one day you're going to... It's like how I felt about the end of Dexter. Like, do you really think that one day you're going to go, hey, you know, let's get around to... I'm not going to watch Game of Thrones. I'm just going to, like, let's get right around to watching season five of Lost. Let's see what happened. You know what? I I think I'd watched... I stopped after season four. I decided to give season five a go, and I actually made it through most of season five, and then I just stopped again randomly. So... Okay, theoretically it's possible, but no, probably I'm not going to go back. I would I, love for you to finish Lost just because, um, much like the final episode of Battlestar Galactica, the final episode of Lost is hated, just hated. All right, I need like, to stop. I, I need to stop you there. There's a there's no, a difference there. No, because, no, because Battlestar a, Galactica is it is a split. It is a split right down the middle. I don't a, a think lo- you're, I, no, I I, I compl- no, I completely disagree. There's a lot of people who hate it and I understand that, but there's a lot of people who absolutely love the ending to that. I would say I would say it's 4 to 1 hate to love. I don't know. Like based people on, based on what? Based on just the people that I've met. Just when we talk about Battlestar, they're like, yeah, it was good, but then that last episode, yeesh, See, like most this. of the people that see most of the people that I've met have actually come in at around like three or four to the one three or four to one actually liking the final episode. So Interesting. Interesting. You know, maybe well, maybe I, you just need to hang out with cooler people. I liked the final episode of Battlestar. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it yeah. was really, really cool and interesting. It's amazing how quickly we've gone on to talk about two other shows that have nothing to do with Angel. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, Trek Off is more like this. We're supposed yeah. to be a little more focused here on Pop-Off. I certainly, when we do the Totally Poop Super, I was going to say Totally Pooper Pop-Off. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Totally Pooper Sopcast. <laughs> um, you we know, do maybe, that one, maybe three glasses maybe of Amaretto one. was one too many. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, uh, um, I'm really, it's so sweet. You know, I try to give people... So Arthur designed a drink once, called it the Chacon. I've tried to give it to people. People fucking... Uh, sorry, cursed. Hate it. They hate this drink that you've Because it's too sweet? I love it so much. I love it so very much, and I can well, drink see, it. Well, that's, see, to- that's because you, Justin, are a gentleman of taste and refinement. Thank you. Thank you. And I agree with you. Um, season, uh, as the episode season goes, two. Uh, season two, as, as it goes on. Uh, Are You Now Have Ever Been? The second episode that aired in uh, October. They talk about, um, uh, it's a flashback to 1952. Um, uh, McCarthyism in Hollywood. It was, a, yeah. I don't know if it landed, but it was a cool attempt. Except they did Angel and Buffy in the 50s already. And it felt it was darker and it was more noir, but I just it it. When did they do that one? It was on. It was on. It was back in season two of Buffy. This was a different thing, and I enjoy that they're giving you the history of the Hyperion, and I see that it's a highly rated episode. I just it didn't, it didn't ever really get me. Didn't land for you that no yeah let's go. I thought it was a, it was a great concept that um. That I don't know if the execute the, the execution was not perfect. We can leave it at that. But the uh, but I did like it, and it did introduce the Hyperion, which um, many have described as possibly one of the best. Uh, like in a, in a lot of good shows with like superhero teams or just teams, the home base takes on a character all its own, and the Hyperion certainly uh, does that. It's a, it is a wonderful home base and a wonderful set. Uh, for them to play in. Agreed. Um, uh, first impressions uh, going through. We're, we're going to just, I'm going to zip through some of these because first impression is, is Cordelia has a vision and, and, and gun uh, has person personality issues that he has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I really want to talk uh, more about what happens in the next few episodes as uh, 
Angel is being visited maybe by Darla. No, he's definitely being like she's sneaking into his room because she's she's, human. And she's sneaking somehow into his room and he's not waking up and he thinks it's dreaming, but he's not sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, here's now. Now, what's your uh, on that? Is it because it doesn't like you you don't like it story wise or you feel like logically it doesn't hang together? Sort of all of it. Like, I just sort of don't know how she gets there. I don't know how she gets out. I don't know. Well, you sense figure of- she has the entire resource. Sure, she's human, but she has the entire resources of Wolfram and Hart on her side. You know, there's are, a great. Who are backing her up in this. There's a great term that uh, that the other Buffy podcasts I listen to, and feel free to go listen there because they're awesome. Story Walk, uh, the Dusted podcast, they use the term headcanon. And that's what you just did. You headcanoned that. You said, okay. Mm-hmm. I can I can come up with a story for the writers who decided not to come up with the story themselves um, of how that's possible. Um, it just was never as clear to me as maybe it could have been. It goes interesting places. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think when it, when we get to to Dear Boy, um, where you get the, the backstory of him and Darla and you also get um, uh you 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 get the story of Drusilla, mm-hmm. um, and you see him encounter her in real life. She denies being Darla. I mean, it does go interesting places, but that's mm-hmm. this is one of those places where I always it feels like we're cutting back to this happening to string you got gotta let remind you that this is happening in the background. It just kind of didn't hang together for me. And it in, was in a little. I mean, it was a little heavy handed at times. I'll agree with that. Um, I do really like, though, that this was the first time that they really started delving into a lot of the flashbacks and the whole historical saga of Angelus and that. Darla and Drusilla and Spike. Wonderful. Just that's, wonderful. That's the stuff I really like. And that's... they did some great effing work with the crossovers in this season with Buffy oh, we'll get they there. were still yeah, on the we'll... same network. Yeah, but when we get to uh, we're we're two episodes away from that because what they do with uh, Fool for Love and and uh, and Darla and Darla, is, yeah, yeah, is incredible. But I adore it. It's interesting to go if if you if you go now to we if we back up to where we had just said uh, Angel untouches Angel's distracted. This is from TV.com um, uh, because he is an he's being influenced by Darla and the next one that's happening. And the next one that's happening. And now Angel's traveling mm-hmm. to a Swami to help him deal with the dreams and the days. It's like you yeah, commented. Again, you could have done that in two episodes. Yeah. Maybe one. Um, and I can't imagine what it, what it would have been like watching this week to week. Like I can. I just would. And we mentioned that on the Buffy podcast that we did before that. Like if you were to watch this over the course of a month, it might just mm-hmm. be too much. Mm-hmm. Like as a binge watch, as a night of like it's a big story that might. It's work true. Better. You can get through that, and that's true. I did watch season two on DVD, so yeah, that might have um, I booba dooba doo. Uh, going into uh, guys, uh, guys will be guys um, in November. Uh, this is the, the first age- one that really starts developing Wesley a little bit. Yeah. Well, and. Develops Wesley in that Wesley dresses up as Angel. It's great. I love it. It's so fun. The when it's they, so fun. yeah, when they find out that he's human and start dragging him towards the window, he's so. Oh no, not the sunlight! For it is the enemy of the vampire. <laughs> um. Okay, we get to Darla. Um, and mm-hmm. we can't talk about Darla without talking about Fool for Love over on yeah. on Buffy. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, to remind you who've who've seen the show before, um, uh, we get a flashback on Fool for Love, where Buffy is is discussing uh, with Spike um, essentially how uh, how he beat 
a slayer and he tells the story of the boxer um, rebellion of the boxer rebellion everything that's happening there and where he came from and 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 he tells the story and it's all from one point of view and angel and darla are seen in one particular way and then mm -hmm. darla came after that the same night you'd watch angel's flashback of the same incident from mm -hmm. a different point of view it was a very sort of rashomon or vantage point sort of yeah. take uh, even to the point of my favorite thing, for the record, uh, my wife Kelly, when she saw this, she laughed out loud because she thought it was so over the top, but I freaking loved it, was the shot of all four of them walking through the flames, like in slow motion and uber dramatic. And in both Fool for Love and Darla had the wide shot of the four of them. But in Fool for Love, which was on Buffy, it focused on like... After the wide shot, it zoomed in on Spike and Drusilla. Over on Angel, they showed the exact same wide shot, but then zoomed in on Angel and Darla, which I thought was kind of cool. It was good filming. Um, we take it back to uh, something a little more fun. This is I. This is an episode I enjoyed, The Shroud of Ramon. Oh, uh, David Boreanaz, when he is allowed to be goofy and off the chain, is a delight to watch. David Boreanaz, uh, uh, in this episode, dresses in a Hawaiian shirt, of all things. Um, dresses like Xander Harris. And, and, <laughs> oh, my God, you're right. And he and Gunn uh, pose to be gang members, um, but then they kind of go crazy. Um, uh, there's some Kate stuff in there. I just don't even want to talk about Kate. Like it's Notice we're able to go through all of this and not really ever talk about Kate. Here's the thing. For me, I, I agree with that. A lot of the episodes that have to do with the police station are really weak. Like the whole sense, like the sensitivity training episode, um, which I think was in season one, like rivals beer bad for me yeah. in terms so of just uncomfortable. However, we're going to get to it later. Um, but I do feel like uh, Kate as a character, even just as a plot device, is really important later on in the later on in the season. Um, here is one of one, a great episode, but maybe one of my favorite episode uh, moments in all of Angel. Um, episode nine of season two is the the trial. Um, essentially, uh -huh. a Angel has to go through hell in order to save, uh, to save Darla, um, who is who is dying, uh, from who's dying from syphilis, essentially, um, because she's and, human again. Well, yeah. And that's that's something we should point out, too. I do really... It was a clever thing, and this really goes into Darla's arc of, oh, she's human again, so she starts habitually doing evil because that's what she did when she was a vampire. But now that she's brought back, she starts rediscovering that she has a soul. And all of a sudden, the this pesky little morality starts becoming an issue to her. Um, and I thought, what a wonderful arc to... In a, in a very... In an understandable way redeem darla um oh yeah or at least have her seek redemption just one oh yeah big time. and but then especially the you know the ensuing knowledge of her own mortality because she still has the disease she was cursed with 400 years ago yeah well, i really and, love that and and at the end you you get the sense of of how everything's going to turn out and then finally when you don't expect it on 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 in this show because like she hasn't been a huge part of the show drusilla mm -hmm. Uh, walks through that was one of the great moments the of door. season two because darla low had just shot slow motion mm -hmm. oh. darla had darla had just accepted 
her mortality, because even though Angel went through hell, because Darla had been brought back once before, she couldn't be saved again. But she, yeah. but she said it meant so much that he had done that for her. She said, you know, she had, and this is what is so wonderfully, Tim Minear did this story arc, by the way. I was looking into this a little bit. And Tim Minear is really good at not just stabbing, but also twisting the knife. Um, and uh, the fact that Darla had literally just made peace with everything. She was ready to meet her maker. She was ready to to you know to pass on and everything and was at peace with her own humanity and it is in that moment that they bring in Drusilla um to pull the rug know, out from they, under you yeah and then that you know they stun Angel so he can't do anything and Lindsay uh who's there I just love how he just turns to Angel and just said something along the lines of you knew this was always happening right like the fact that this was the plan from the beginning well, we haven't talked about the fact that Lindsay is in is like legitimately Lindsay's in huge love in with this. Darla. Yeah. yeah. And oh yes, well, that's true. And Lindsay is yeah, totally in love with Darla. Um I uh last year uh had an opportunity to host um to host Juliet Landau in a in a panel. Mm. Um I, I, another writer and I got to sit down at a panel and interview uh for an audience Juliet Landau. And uh there was a point um cuz we were talking about B- Buffy and we're talking about Angel and you can find it if you look for it online. Mm-hmm. Um but uh but there was a point during this interview where I was so sort of, cause she looks like Drusilla, you know, like, the, like, like I see David Boreanaz now. He doesn't look like angel to me. I could think, I feel like I could talk to him and even, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller has aged to the point where she doesn't really look like Buffy anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Juliet Landau, who I didn't know is, is older than I thought she was. I'm not going to tell her age now, but she's older than th- she still looks like she's 30 years old. She still looks a little bit like a vampire. Um, mm-hmm. And she she starts talking and she sounds like Drusilla. I I got woozy and I was in the middle of me talking and I was trying to be asking her, I was trying to ask her a question. I was just going so and there where the question there with um on the angel where you go <laughs> there's there with the uh, and my fingers are getting like cold. I can feel my fingers are feeling icy and then so um so I'm just and then I went to my co-host who was up there. I'm just I'm gonna let you go with that. And I sat back and I realized I almost fainted in wow. front of in front. Of so what we're saying is not only Drusilla but Juliet Landau has hypnotic powers. She absolutely has hypnotic powers, and uh, it didn't occur to me. But damn you, Drew! I knew it. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Of course, uh, of course, uh, uh, Angel or, or sorry, sorry, uh, Drew has turned Darla um, evil, and now they are uh, out uh, being evil. Now and and let's just talk Darla about the, the the total screwed up nature. And even Drew mentions this of the fact that Darla sired Drew, and then Drew sires Darla. Like there is some weird mother daughter crap going on there. That's just yeah. And yet bizarre. they're always like kind of like flirting and all over each other too. Yeah. So like you oh, do with your grandma. Yeah. So many levels of <laughs> so many levels of vampiric incest. Um. Um. This is uh one of my least favorite turns in Angel though. In that uh, Angel kind of turns on his staff. Oh, I and, love this so much. I like that he fires them, but then like him sort of separate from them. Like I don't like it when the team's all broken up so much. Um, I, there's something about it that does it. It doesn't hold together for me. You really like it? I do. I do. I really do. Well, I, in general, Angel's Angel's uh, since of course he doesn't take the whole thing with Darla well. His his walk 
this is the darkest path that Angel ever walks. Um, and I adore it, especially because of its destination. Um, but the, the, the real, you know, so there's a couple key moments here. The first is, um, strangely enough, Wolfram and Hart realizes that they don't have total control over Darla and Drusilla, who show up at Holland Manor's, uh, you know, wine party and basically say, we're going to slaughter everyone here. Angel shows up, has the opportunity to stop them, but because they're the Wolfram and Hart lawyers, he actually turns. Not only does he now walk that, out, I mean, that but part, he locks the door. That part um, is wonderful. Like that, yeah. that it's, and I don't think it's the, this episode I love. I think that uh, I think that what I don't like is is the outcome of of what happens to Angel Investigations from this. That when, moment, uh, when basically Wesley, because Wesley challenges Angel and says, "You're going down a path of darkness, um, and we can't let you do that." So Angel says, "Okay, you're all fired." Um, I like I I agree with you. I hate to see part. I hate to see the party split. Um, I'm a <laughs> I'm a longtime Dungeons and Dragons player, and that is one of the first rule. That's one of the first rules is do not split the party. Uh. But I do like how it gives the opportunity for uh, for Gunn and Cordy and Wesley to really sort of find themselves more. What This is the moment that Wesley is able to take a leadership role for the first time. Um, this is the moment that allows, you know, and it's very halting, uh, but it's... Uh, but I like it. I, I Again, it's it's uncomfortable at times, but it does propel a lot of character growth. Yeah, I mean it's I I agree. I and I it might be um it might be that this is done I think to better effect in my opinion in season 5. Um that when I look at Angel as a whole this seems like a a drum that maybe is beat one too many times. Mm-hmm. Um but but I can I mean I can go with it in that in that Angel's you have to see if the show is about him walking the line between light and darkness, you have to see him walk the line between light and darkness. Um, there are just times where I, I really it's, it's hard for me to get my head around his motive. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, well, I think that's the thing is the, I agree. His, his thought patterns um, in season two, at least for this particular arc are completely irrational. Um, and it really, and they go, he becomes obsessed with vengeance towards Wolfram and Hart to the point of Anne, who I was talking about in the previous, uh, in our previous uh, talk with this podcast. Uh, you know, he actually, um, he enlists her, the help of her, uh, you know, youth group organization to essentially, uh, he says it's going to, you know, stop some sort, some sort of major corruption. When really, all it does is it just sort of leaves Wolfram and Hart with egg on their face. Um, yeah, so he's no, essentially he's willing he's, willing to, gonna, he's yeah. willing to he's willing to use and sacrifice whoever he's. Now it does it gives um, you do see the moments of what made Angelus so not only cool but also that sense of powerful and strong. The moment when like Drusilla and Darla are they decide to recruit their demon army. And they show up to the warehouse where they're supposed to meet everyone, and it's just angels standing atop a pile of bodies, smoking a cigarette, then casually flicks the cigarette into gasoline that lights and, and sets, sets both and Darla on fire. It's like, it, it really does drive home, um, Angel is, when he lets himself go, is terrifying. 
It uh, also drives home how incredibly magical Drew and Darla are because you know what happens to vampires when they get set on fire? Right. <laughs> they turn to dust. Yeah, they're fire's, very strong vampires. Fire's one of those things. Except they have been, they, they have been Dar- gifted Darla's with, with not. Darla's they, like a brand new vampire. They have been actually. gifted with narrative constitution. <laughs> uh, I I mean yes I, yeah. I just mm-hmm. have to call it out. It's, you know, it can, yeah, it can oh, be yeah. a little absolutely. But I do, lo- and I do love how Darla at the as she's burning and everything like that. Sense, uh, like suddenly she's like, "Who the hell was that?" Darla, who was convinced that she knew Angel, um, suddenly is realizing, "Oh my gosh, he's capable of stuff I didn't even know." Um, um, moving on, we go into uh, we we go into uh, Blood Money and Happy Anniversary as we move on to the second half of the little one shots. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, yeah. Blood money. Blood money, of course, is the episode with Anne um, mm-hmm. and the teen shelter. Uh, I like her. I don't dig the episode. Yeah, more of, agreed. You know, they're looking like more of of Angel Investigations working on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel being a total douchebag to otherwise allies. Uh, um, they have a, again stealing this from uh, from the Dusted podcast, but they have zombie cops at one point. Mm-hmm. Zombie cops. Zombie cops. Like zombie I cops. said. Like I said, anything having to do with the police department, not the best storyline. Um, uh, I, Happy Anniversary was fun. It was a little buddy cop episode between uh, Angel and Lorne, the host. And I think and it was watching that that I realized, oh, they are totally going to make Lorne a recurring character. Yeah. Um, possibly one of the main stars, which I was fine with. Like I said, he brings such levity to the show. Um but still serves a very useful purpose in the narrative. Um, and then we get to reprise, um, which is a fun. Uh, it's 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 a it's a fun episode of Angel. Real quick, I'm going to pull up this uh, description here so I can read it to you. Um, uh, reprise. God, I love this episode so much. Yes. Angel learns of the impending visit of one of Wolfram and Hart's demonic senior partners, and he plans to use the visit to launch a kamikaze mission to the Beast's home dimension to take on evil at its very source. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, again, it's not just the Angel stuff about that, but it is... Um, a lot of it is, is in in the stuff that's happening behind the scenes, especially like Lila and Lindsay um, mm-hmm. and their, the way that they're dealing with it. And we haven't talked about Lila at all because she is maybe the, one of the most in, in a, in a, in a, I, I think there's something so, to that. Yeah. She is. I mean, there's something, the fact is she is crucial for so many plot narratives in this. And yet uh, she's not the person that we want to talk about through a lot of this. Which says something about Lila's character. I think by the time we get to the end of the show, we we are we will really want to talk about uh, um, Lila quite a bit. No, that's true. Uh, um, the uh, the end of the episode, though, is the reason that we talk about this episode because uh, there's an elevator, and oh. inside the elevator is the uh, recently dead uh, um, head of Wolfram and Hart, uh, L.A. Branch. So it's setting it up essentially, Holland. Angel. Angel kills a senior partner and gets a ring, which allows him to essentially teleport back to the home office. He puts on the, the you know, the dreaded home office, which everyone by now pretty much understands is the metaphor for hell. Um, he puts the ring on and an elevator door opens and there's Holland Manners and they start taking the elevator 
uh, down, 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 all the way down. And there's a conversation between them in the elevator. Continue, Justin. At the end of the elevator trip, the door opens. And where does he arrive? Back where he started. Exactly back where he started on Earth. Which leads into, which leads into for me, there is a two-part definitive thesis statement to this entire show. Um, and Holland's speech here is the first part of that, in which he essentially says, why would we want an apocalypse? Why would we want to destroy the world? We love the world exactly as it is, petty and selfish and greedy and corrupted. It's not that there's one apocalypse that's coming in the future. The world has been in a permanent state of apocalypse for as long as anyone can remember, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, it is, and especially if you've been watching from Buffy as well, it's a departure. It's a real moment of where the the themes of the shows mature, uh, because it that is a much more realistic analysis of the state of the world than, oh, there's somebody who's trying to end it all. Well, yeah, and I think that that the question then becomes uh is it that that the world is the hell that they want is holland manners lying and that's also a possibility mm. what does holland manners have a reason to tell angel the oh, truth that's about a good this? point because yeah. by the time we get to the end there clearly is an apocalypse that this is building toward there's like what holland manners says here is not true which apocalypse are they building there's there's no apocalypse at the end it's <laughs> Well, something's happening at the end of You mean at of, the end of season 5? Yes. That's Angel forcing the, that's Angel forcing their hand and them attacking him with everything that they've got. Um I assume we're not going with uh I think just for the sake of this we'll focus on the TV show and not the comics that come after. Sure. But um Yeah, I don't necessarily because that wasn't a planned thing. I don't I don't necessarily see there being any major uh like, if we're talking something that literally destroys the world, which is, you know, in many ways the apocalypse sort of thing, there's there's nothing like that. And it, But you make a good point that Holland might not... I mean, because obviously there are other dimensions. The senior partners don't live on Earth. They, they do come from some hellish dimension. Um, but the point that Holland is driving home, it, regardless of how much he's lying to it, there is enough truth to it that it sends Angel into despair. Well, and the other question I've heard raised is, is that Holland Manners? Is that actually Holland Manners? Does it matter? I, I, you see, it does. Because if it is Holland Manners as we knew him, it, it's a more nuanced thing. If it's him, is he coming from hell? How did he get in the elevator? That, that all, it strikes me different as... Here is a senior partner in a Holland Manor suit telling Angel the thing that the senior partner wants Angel to hear to make Angel act the way the senior partner wants Angel to act. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's Holland Manors, it seems much less theatrical, less scripted, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I have no I have no like distinct answers. I know that I, that moment is one me, of my favorite moments. Yeah, to me, the moment of him saying that's a good point. I didn't, I like, I didn't really drill into that in my thought because you know, at one point, Holland Manners just says, "He says the contracts that we make with Wolfram and Hart last way longer than our mortal lifespan." I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Um, so I didn't think beyond that, but yeah, no, the concept of who it could be and all that. Uh, 
ultimately, though, it has, at least initially, the desired effect of completely... It, in a way, it breaks Angel completely. Um, well, his, to well, a it, point... It, it, well, yeah, it, I mean, like he, he comes goes, back, obviously. He, go- he has an epiphany, but, yes. uh, but initially, they think they've succeeded. Um, you know, because at the end of the episode, he goes and, you know, Darla is... I think Darla tries to kill him at first... Because she's waiting to try to kill him in uh, his room. Well, well and there's and, also another thing we need to talk about that that happens in this. He sleeps with Darla. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. That's the beginning. He basically, and this is up until this point, the pretty much understanding is moment of moment of perfect perfect happiness equals you know, the big O equals the big O. Yeah. Yeah. So him sleeping with Darla, and that's the thing. Him sleeping with Darla is him saying. I can't do this anymore. I want to let go of my soul and just go back to, you know, even if it means going back to the evil monster that I was. That's a great question. Did he know when he was sleeping with Darla? Did he expect it to turn him into a ingen- I, I, I I'm certain. That, or like, I, I, I think it's very, I think it's very, well, here's the thing. Either he's certain or he doesn't care. Um, it is the moment, though, when you think about how much during the show so far up to now he's taught. I mean, he has told Gunn and Wesley and Cordy, he says, what will mean the most to me is if there is ever a moment when you have to kill me, do it. He has always spent his entire, uh, well, not life, but unlife, um, during this show, perpetually aware of the demon that's lurking at the back of his brain and doing everything he can yeah, but to not even close to that- tempting it. Presumably, he knew that two years ago when he slept with a high schooler. Like, presumably, he knew that then too. Well, no, that's but that's yeah. But the the whole thing of perfect happiness, um, the high school when he slept with Buffy was that was the first time that the curse ever really revealed. Oh no, no! If you get happy again, you lose your soul. So had he not had sex with anyone between between the curse? And sleeping with Buffy? No, yeah, I'm I'm posi- I am positive of that fact. That's a long time. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's Angel. He, no wonder it, he's so grumpy. Yeah, I know, right? He <laughs> and he loves being grumpy. So yeah, no. To me, it's uh, to me that isn't for me. That's an absolute certainty that Angel did not sleep with anyone after Buffy until this moment. Um, and either he was certain that sleeping with Darla would turn him into Angelus, um, and either he wanted that. Or he just didn't care either way. He had given up. You know, I I wasn't planning to go episode by episode, but there's so much to talk about here. Because yeah, I mean, and, and here's the thing: I am I'm very deliberately drilling into these two episodes, Reprise and Epiphany, because these are my favorite. Even though I agree with you, season five is my favorite season of the show. These two episodes to me are my absolute favorite in the entire show, possibly in the entire Buffy canon. Interesting. So yeah. That's um, and once really we, interesting. And once we get into Epiphany, I'll tell you why. Well, we're but, in Epiphany. Well, tell we're in Epiphany, why. yeah. So um, so the big thing with that is that Angel realizes he hasn't become Angelus the next morning he wakes up. Because as he says, it wasn't perfect happiness. It was perfect despair. Um, and, you know, and so he uh, he drives Darla out. Um, and he said, you know, and he keeps saying he's had an Epiphany. He doesn't, he doesn't say what the epiphany is until the very end when he's talking with Kate. Um, but you can see throughout the whole episode 
that he is now trying to redeem himself. He is fighting for the light again. He Like, he has the fight back in him, although he is still almost bashful about it, uh, especially in terms of dealing with the, you know, the gang again, because he's aware just how much of a douchebag he'd been. Um, you know, the, the gang is in trouble, essentially, with, you know, one job that they did went south, and uh, they are all essentially captured by demons that want to implant spawn into their heads. Um, and side note, I don't know what it is about demons wanting to like spawn in humans that that squicks me that like squicks me out so much, but it squicks me out so much. Really? Oh yeah. Well, like the whole Cordelia pregnancy thing, I was like, Ugh, no, no, thank you. No, I just, mm. um, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, uh, we, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna, I was going to um, jump off of Epiphany into the opposite of this dark and and thoughtful uh, stuff. Disharmony. Well, wait, wait, we can't. Wait, wait. Are you saying you're you're trying to jump off of Epiphany? I'm, we're not remotely done with Epiphany, sir. I'm sorry. Sir. See, that's why I stopped myself. I didn't know you we, were done. And then I was I, like, okay. I was like, I, no, I just realized I've been talking a lot. And heaven forfend, I thought you might actually have something to add to this incredibly momentous episode. But clearly, no. Okay, no. so here's my manifesto then. <laughs> All right, wow. so it basically ends with Kate, um, who has lost everything at the police force. She's decided to take her life. She calls and leaves a, essentially a suicide message on Angel's phone. He, after rescuing the gang, um, he, you know, rushes over to Kate's house, breaks in, finds her having swallowed a bunch of sleeping pills, puts her into the shower, and forces her to wake up. Um, and the episode ends with this crucial conversation that basically, to me, reveals the second part of the thesis statement that I was talking about. Um, You know, Kate asks Angel what happened, and he essentially says, I realized that in the end, there is no great apocalypse, there's no ultimate, there is no ultimate victory for good that's going to be happening. And in the long run, nothing that any of us do is going to matter. Evil is going to continue to be there, and it is going to continue to score victory after victory. But he says it's in that moment that he had his epiphany, which is that if nothing that you do matters, then all that matters is what you do. And that is the thesis for the show. That is the thesis for the show. Let me just say, flash forward to 10 years later in in the real world when Vladimir Putin basically puts into uh, enforcement a number of rabidly anti-gay laws in Russia. And there are protests in Russia. This actually happened. A number of people went, a number of uh, American journalists went over there, including The Daily Show, to interview the protesters. And they found one, like, 65-year-old Russian woman there who was holding a sign fighting back against the, uh, you know, against uh, Putin and the Russian autocracy. And they ask her, you know, well, do you think, do you think your voice is going to get heard? And she says, I don't know, probably not. But there is a line from one of your TV shows, Angel, which is that uh. if nothing that you do matters, then all that matters is what you do. Like, wow. this is a woman I've who never over heard and that. yeah, oh um, wow, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I right. Um, 
And it is it is in its own way, and okay, now I've got to deviate a little bit. Joss Whedon is, I believe he is an atheist. Um, at the very least, he is um, very much an existentialist. And sure. Angel's an existentialist show. It does not put faith in a higher power coming to save the day. Um, and a lot of times, uh, religious people will sometimes ask, how can atheists or existentialists or people like that, how can they have any sense of hope? And, you know, what purpose is there? <coughs> Excuse me. What purpose is there for them to fight for good? And that line from Angel is really one of the driving forces behind why someone who does not necessarily believe in a higher power can still fight for good, even if they don't know if it's going to have any effect. Um, the the ability to choose to fight no matter what, just because. Um, and that's and they touch on this again, including at the very finale of Angel. Um, like the, this is a theme we will see again and again and again. Um, but then interestingly, the episode ends with Kate saying, well, I don't know about whether there's no higher power or not. And Angel asks why. And she says, because I never invited you in. Yes. They never touched on that again, but it marks one of two moments in the Buffyverse when there is supposedly some kind of divine intervention. The first was during Buffy season three, Amends, when Angel was getting ready to kill himself waiting for the dawn, and it snowed in Sunnydale to prevent the sunlight. Um, and then the second was this moment here. They never touch on it again, and I'm actually kind of disappointed that they never touch on it again. But uh, so, but that is why. Anyway, so end of manifesto. That is why I absolutely adored this episode. I'm so glad um, you pulled me back because because I yes, it was valuable for you to. Here I am trying. <laughs> got to move it along. Got to move it. And you're like, no, hold on, hold on, sir. <laughs> I'm going then, to like, blow your mind. Like and break seriously, your heart. these this episode is the reason I'm doing this entire podcast right <laughs> now. Like, <laughs> um, uh, okay. The next episode, disharmony. Harmony comes back. Um, yeah, Harmony's back. And it's a delight. What a playful romp. Oh, and and needed. Uh, definitely. Oh needed God, little, is it needed? Yeah. yeah. They. I think they recognize that. I mean, the entire rest of the season arc is. Totally. Yeah, I mean, know, even Harmony e- comes back. Lindsay has an evil hand. Lindsay has evil hands. <laughs> um, and then we go. Uh, uh, and then, then we go to Pylea, which is a fantasy adventure. Um, I will say this. Uh, the two. Th- there's a lot that can be said about the Pylea arc. Um, I love and I just like just so you understand Pylea is they they go to Lauren's basically home planet um, mm-hmm. because it's at this point. They're not demons. They're like aliens now, sort of in a different dimension. I don't know. Just I mean, don't... they're they're demons, but basically, pretty much anything from another dimension is considered yeah. a demon at this point. Um, yeah. um, but uh, but I do want to I do want to say some favorite parts. Uh, one, the Grusalog. I love that character. Oh, the Gru is uh, so wonderful. Uh, two, uh, of uh, Fred. Amy Acker as Winifred Burke. We're going to talk about her a lot before we're done mm-hmm. um, with all of this. Uh, what a tremendous th- character. Three, Joss Whedon dancing the dance of joy. The um, dance of joy and the dance and the dance of shame. Uh, um, although, no, that's off stage. We don't. We are off screen. We don't see the dance of shame. But um, And then four, my favorite moment in all of it. Um, Angel steps out into the sun. Yes. Uh, going back to what I said before about if you allow, when you allow David Boreanaz to play happy, 
he does it so well. Because you want him to be. Like, I mean, that's why he's a hero. You want yeah. him to be. And when he's, you know, I'm going to be over here in the sunlight. You know, it's <laughs> In the sunlight. Hey, can, can can we just stop for a moment? Can, has anybody noticed how much fire I'm not on right now? Oh, it's so great. And I would say this. Yeah. Everybody acts wrong in this dimension. I'm going to say the dimension is affecting them and making them act the way that they do. Because everyone's sort of mm-hmm. a heightened, more cartoonish version of themselves. And I'm well, it down it is that. a dimension. I think. I think. I think the theme that they're going for is it is a dimension in which things really are black and white. Like when Angel becomes a vampire, he becomes this whole. When he game faces, yeah, yeah. he goes horrifically demonic, um, and loses control. Uh, as a whole, I thought there were you know a, a ton of weak points to the Pylean arc, um, but. Uh, it had some great moments, like Angel's goofiness. It also has one of Wesley's first moments, and we're going to talk more about Wesley, certainly, um, as possibly one of the darkest of the heroes. Um, yeah, he's And this is the there. moment where we see him go. And the thing is, is so when they're getting ready for the final fight in Pylea, and Angel is saying, I don't want to go game face because I don't know if I'll, I'll, if I'll come back from the monster. And Wesley assures him and says, no, of course you're going to. We're going to bring you back. Um, and then he leaves, and then I think... Uh, Gunn asks him, Are, do we know how to bring him back? And Wesley says, no, but I need him to think that we will. Yeah. To me, that's the first moment that we really see Wesley trying to play the role of the as the general who has to make the hard choice. I want, also um, want to say about this, this trilogy of episodes, um, what a bold, bold, bold step. And I understand there are people who don't like them, and I get it. But mm-hmm. like... This was essentially the vampire cop show. It's kind of what it was. Angel Investigations. Yeah. It was a PI show. It was a show mm-hmm. about being a private investigator as a vampire. It was, it was vampire LA. noir. Yeah. You know? And then this, what the hell? Like it's just they're, <laughs> like they're they're like we're we're going to go there whole hog entirely full on. And I don't think you know we talk about smile time and we talk about once more with feeling, but I think this needs to be mm-hmm. in there as well. It's like this oh yeah, this, this is shows uh, willingness to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's almost a sense, too, because you get the sense that the, in many ways, the season should have ended with the end of the whole Darla, Angel, Wolfram and Hart arc. I mean, Epiphany was a season closer, but it ended like six episodes early. So I think there was just a sense of, well, we need some kind of arc. to. Re-. And I don't get me wrong. I think it was good that it ended early because, the, to be honest, that arc was drawn on long enough as it was. Um, but there was sort of the sense of we need to tag on this secondary arc in there. So I know I have a little bit of meta knowledge again, uh, credit to dusted. Um, they give me like, so evidently, uh, ratings were falling and there Mm -hmm. was a, and there was a real sense of wrap up the Darla stuff because people are, are really tired of it. That makes sense. That Um, makes good sense. And it was a, and it was a, like, we have to turn left and do something else right now. Yeah, because the show is floundering. No, that made a good point. And I will say, for as much as I absolutely adore Reprise and Epiphany, that's not Darla. Um, that's that's a left turn. That's that's true. That's a left turn. And it, but it also, it's like it make to me that is the whole rat. That is the true wrapping up of the arc. Um, and I think the that. original plan but was the, to stretch that arc. Yeah, for and the next honestly, episodes. if Epiphany had come like episode eleven or twelve. I would have been just fine with that. Like I'm willing to, su- I am willing to suffer through the Darla arc because of the strong finish, not because I think the Darla arc is this perfect thing. Yeah, well, and I, it's it's a story we're telling, but like, 
you know, like wrap it up. Just like we're gonna have to wrap it up because we're uh, mm-hmm. we're at the well, end yeah. Of let's let's get to, let's get to the end of season two and yeah. then. Uh, well, that's it. They they yeah. they drive their car magically back to L.A. and everything's and everything's okay. wonderful except that phenomenal gut punch of an ending. Um, I I was bold to bring Darla back. Um, I'm sure there are people like who didn't like Darla who are rolling their eyes. Oh no, when, the uh, oh I wasn't talking about that gut punch. I don't think because that's thing Darla doesn't. Um, does the really episode appear? Darla doesn't appear again until season three. The epi- the way that this ends is them walking back into the Hyperion. Angel says, "Oh, can I get to say it? Okay, there's no place like turns and sees Willow, who's clearly been crying, sitting there. Oh, and yeah, she yeah, just no, stands. And Angel ahead. says, Buffy. Yeah. Um, which again, interesting because I was watching this on the DVDs and I was like, what did this? Uh, oh my God, Buffy had just died. This Whereas where if you were yes. watching, sorry, the, if you were, ahead. yeah, if you were watching this, uh, when it was airing on the was WB, they were both on the WB at this point. On the WB at this point, you would, you would have, I mean, they also really needed the happy go lucky Pylea arc because there was dark shit going down in Buffy big time. Yeah. Uh so they needed I mean god after I mean the Buffy WB series finale had just happened when the Angel series finale started. Yeah, and, and well and and let's be clear, the season finale of Angel, the at the time possible possible series, series finale, finale of Buffy. And it ended with Buffy's headstone. I mean, my God! If you if there was ever a moment when you needed to find some way of lightening the mood, yeah, you could go over to this. But then mm-hmm. seeing that the and and that is what we thought was going to be the last crossover into Angel because that was never going to be allowed to happen again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but contracts get signed, good stuff happens. Yeah. But that's going to have to be. Uh, this is stretching even longer than you know. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's easy to talk about Buffy in terms of larger strokes, but I think that the nature of Angel is such that. It is like, a more subtle show. You like you because you can't you can't just like we just glossed over Harmony coming back. We we're just like yeah, and then Harmony's back. Well, yeah, because I mean that's because there's this understanding that Harmony is uh, like she's a candy break. She's but, if, but gun to your head. If I said hey, we have to do 45 minutes on the episode talking about Harmony coming back in with Cordelia and what she does, I absolutely could talk an entire hour about that episode. I absolutely could, because that's the one where it also gets into the whole pyramid, like the vampire pyramid plan, <laughs> pyramid scheme is amazing. Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah, there's a, that's the thing. Disharmony is a really great episode. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost a shame that, uh, uh, that it, you know, is surrounded by, you know, so many momentous episodes. But yeah. again, that's because it's it served its purpose phenomenally well at the time. I would say that um, having talked to you about season two, I'm going away from it, uh, maybe liking it more than I did coming into this conversation. Um, when I go back and go, I, like a lot of time we're talking about it, there, the, I think the problem is there are like five or six episodes. We're like, yeah, we, we, we were able to skip over blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but, I... Yeah, the ability we were we were able to very uh, judiciously remove a lot of things, and you know what? I've actually come to realize my whole liking of Kate, in many ways, comes down to just that final scene. Um, but if I actually think back through stuff, it's like ah, yeah, there there was a lot of just I, again. To me, there is a a lot of people think intercharacter conflict is one of the great ways of driving drama, and that is technically true. But there is a right way to do intercharacter conflict and a wrong way. 
the right way leaves you feeling torn, but still really invested in liking every character and everything and still enjoying the show. The wrong, the wrong way is way, called Kate Lockley. The wrong way just makes you feel icky, for lack of a better, more descriptive term. Um, it makes you feel, I wish all my favorite characters would just get along again so I could go back to enjoying the show. Yeah, I and the show does it well because, you know, the... Like what's going to happen in a, in season three, specifically between Angel and Wesley, is mm-hmm. this done right? Is where where it should really really bug you. We don't like it when mommy and daddy fight. It's how you sh- yeah. a, sh- a show should make you feel. Um, no, I also as a little just as a quick predecessor to uh, our talk on season three, I have a feeling that you were uh, you and I are going to uh, reach very different conclusions about uh, the coolness of Wesley's character in season three. But uh, I, I will really? look forward to that conversation. I do yeah. too. Um, so uh, uh, we this was going to be two episodes. Now we're saying three. I'll bet. I'll bet we stretch it. To I'll four. bet we go. You, you know what? We'll, we'll be organic with this sort of thing. I bet because I think we can do season three and four in one go, and season five is probably going to be a. I get, although I, you know what, I'm not going to say. Anything. I know because we're what not even getting a chance be. to talk about Firefly or anything like that, and. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you all need to understand, this is really Justin, since we live in different cities now, this is our first time to really geek out about Joss Whedon stuff in a long time. Yeah, and we're about to geek out about really good stuff. This Totally Super podcast is going to be here soon. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Hey, quick Totally Super uh, uh, plug for a movie called Logan. Um, It was Totally Super. Go see it. Actually, I I, I have to retract that because saying that in that happy way does a tremendous disservice to that film. It was uh, was Totally Super. The best way I will say it, it was one of the best Westerns I have seen in a long, long time. And I've been to a lot of bad best Westerns. Um, (laughs) Uh, I hate you. um, uh, uh, Also, uh, a little Joss note. um, uh, There's a, a short not really a trailer, but a short before the movie um, with a different character that's worth watching. And in a slow motion shot in the background, totally Firefly. Firefly. Yeah, I was wondering about that. What was like, the... Why, why are they there? Um, I think it was just maybe a little just a... a, a it's trolling. A it's trolling. It's yeah. trolling. It's or not it's a trolling. Nod. You're right. It's absolutely... Oh, my God. It's, it's trolling. Because I'm willing to bet that the internet erupted was, does this mean they're going to be bring Firefly back? Oh come on! Tell me you tell me you didn't as soon as you could find it. Look for the text of what was being scrolled at the end of that. Oh no! I read that. I read it in its entirety. Um, yeah, I lo- it's, it's hilarious. It's just, and totally it's just a bad book report. It's a, it's a bad book report on the old man in the sea. <laughs> it's just like what the hell? Again. Yeah, I guess they were. Again, it's. I mean, and it serves the it character trolled tremendously you. It, well. It trolled yeah. you. It made you go back and look it up again. Hey, Which, hey, hey. Speaking of trolling Firefly people, yes, you know the you know the best way to piss off a Firefly person. How? Go, go ahead and ask me if I've ever seen Firefly. Oh, don't do this! Don't do this! Go, to ahead, me. go ahead, go ahead, and ask me. Hey, uh, hey, are they you ever seen Firefly? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty Isn't good. It, I mean, it was great though, wasn't it? Like, 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 didn't you love like the writing and 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 it was like almost like a new Star Wars, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was good. No, I, you didn't like See, it. That I love it. That will get more of a, that will that will get under somebody's skin. And again, I effing say the love word. Firefly say, and say Serenity. The word. Say the word because it's not pretty good. There's a word that you use. What brown coat? No, the, no. When when? Oh, it's you, okay. Oh, it's even worse. The f word. Don't say the f word. Oh, it's fine. Oh, 
Is that it? Don't, that don't, will get that that will get under someone's skin. For if fine. you said, "Oh no, Firefly sucks," then they can just immediately write you off as being somebody with no class and taste whatsoever. Or have something to argue with you, or go. Or you go, have no, something no, to argue with. No, no, but no. if you say it's fine, it's like, it's how fine. can you watch this and enjoy it and not think it's the best thing ever? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I would say it was fine. Right. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. And and ever since you told me that, it's so fun to do that to people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you know, Justin knows I am a huge, I I love being a card-carrying geek. I'm totally all about it. But sometimes there are very few things I enjoy more than just pushing the big red buttons on a geek's forehead. So, which I'm sure we'll get into in Totally Super as well. All right. For, for now, my name is Justin. <laughs> and I'm Arthur. Pop off. Pop off. The Totally Super Podcast is coming to Geeks Radio. Justin and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. Search for Totally Super Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Totally Super Podcast 2017.